all of us to come home. I believe that God is inviting each one of us to, you know, there's that old saying, home is where your heart is. And it reminds me what Jesus said, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't want anybody today to miss the fact that you belong in the house of God with the people of God because of the finished work of God at the cross of Jesus Christ. God is calling us home. It's not our temporary dwelling we know now. Our home is in heaven with Him. There's a longing in our hearts to be with God, but sin has separated us from Him. Pastor Daniel wants us to remember today that we can still be with God because of the loving sacrifice He provided. Through Jesus' blood, we're set free from the hold sin had on us. We can take that new life and live it for God, and one day we'll be with Him forever. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 30 with part one of his message, Blessings of Home. Well, all right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, as we're continuing our study here through the book of Deuteronomy, I can't believe it, we're in the 30th chapter, which means we have... Just about five chapters left, and then we're going to say goodbye to the Pentateuch. Because at the rate we're going, I'll never make it back to it again. And so I've called this message the blessings of home because God wants to remind the children of Israel that he wants to give them a place to call home. And this really came into beautiful relief. I do a fair bit of traveling. I was just in... Florida this past weekend, even though I was here preaching at Crossroads with the aid of modern technology, I was here and there and in Portland all at the same time. So I was preaching in three states, two different messages all at the same time. Isn't that amazing that we could do it that way? That's kind of freaky, actually. But I was in Florida and I came home and you pull into your driveway and you walk into your house and it's like, that's your home. You know, and I remember I woke up in the morning and my kids are pouring out of their rooms. Like, Dad's home and big hugs. And I'm like, there's something about a place to belong. And for the children of Israel, they had been in Egypt for so long. And then they had been wandering in the wilderness for so long that God is saying to them, there's a place for you to belong. And I want your desire to be home, to be a motivator for you. And even as I was preparing for this message and as I was thinking about this, I'm like, just that alone I think is important for some of us here today. Where literally, you need to hear that there is a place that you belong and that's home. And God wants the desire for home to drive you. And are you allowing that to happen? That in Christ, there is a home for you. And because there's a home for you, God wants us to desire the blessings of home, the comforts of home, and the hominess of home. And I think for some of us, decisions that are being made right now, like what's going to happen for the children of Israel, the decisions that are being made right now are actually forcing you away from home. 
And I think relationally for some of us, I think personally in our relationships with the Lord, there's some of us who are making decisions that are actually pulling us away from home. And I think just right at the beginning of this message, I think God wants to remind you of the blessings of home, the comforts, that place, this is where I belong. And that motivator was supposed to be huge for the children of Israel. Because when we were looking at Deuteronomy 29, we found that there's all these blessings and then there's a lot of cursings. And really what he's saying is that you guys are going to end up in exile. And it's interesting because we're studying Deuteronomy here at our midweek and then we're studying the book of Daniel on the weekends and they are in exile to Babylon. So like the things that God said was going to happen to them back in the book of Deuteronomy and it's almost like God is lamenting that I'm going to bring you into this land but it's actually going to spit you out of the land. Your rebellion is going to take you out. And then you see in the book of Daniel, like, yeah, they're out of the land. And so I believe that God is inviting all of us to come home. I believe that God is inviting each one of us to, you know, there's that old saying, home is where your heart is. And it reminds me of what Jesus said, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't want anybody today to miss the fact that you belong in the house of God, with the people of God, because of the finished work of God at the cross of Jesus Christ. And I believe that there's some of you here today, you have never said yes to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, I'm going to let you forgive me so that I can come home. And God wants you to come home. And I think deep down in your heart of hearts, underneath all the life and stuff, you really want to go home too. And what I want you to know is God wants you back home. The Bible says that if a shepherd's got 100 sheep and one of them goes astray and 99 stay together, the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. Because he knows that the 99 all being together, there's safety in those numbers. But the one who's out astray is completely vulnerable. And the beauty is, is that when you are home in the family of God, all the comforts of home are there. Like, you know that's where you belong. So let's jump into our text. Deuteronomy chapter 30, picking up in verse 1. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice, According to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. Verse 4, if any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Also, the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you, and you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you today. 
And the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hands, in the fruit of your body, and in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of life. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, you notice that them being in exile, according to Deuteronomy 30, it's kind of like a finished deal. Like it's like Moses talking like, okay, so when you're, when you're away and then when you come back. So, and I, what I think is amazing is that God still chooses us even though he knows that we stray. You know, I just started reading in my own devotional time, the book of Hosea. If you remember how the book of Hosea begins, right? God invites Hosea to marry a woman who is a prostitute. And they're, as they're having children, he's naming them, like, you're not my people and all this stuff. And literally, Hosea's wife, Gomer, goes on out and leaves him for a while. And then the Lord says, yeah, I want you to bring her back. And it's amazing because what God is doing is he's having his prophet act out prophetically exactly the way the children of Israel are dealing with God, that they are spiritually adulterous. They're straying on the covenant, And here you have, look, I'm sending you into the promised land. I'm going to bless you, but you're going to stray on the covenant. Like you're going to rebel against the covenant and God is going to send you all over the world in all these places you're going to go. But I love it because he says, when you're there, then you're going to call to mind all these blessings that I promised you. It's the blessed art of remembrance. And I think it's important for us to find ways to remember the most important things. Because what happens is, in, you can imagine for the children of Israel, and when you read through what we call the Old Testament, the children of Israel are getting tossed about by circumstances. Some of their own doing, and some of the things that people are doing to them, and before you know it, they end up losing their way. They end up forgetting who they are. And then along the way, all of a sudden, something will be brought to their remembrance. Maybe they'll find one of the scrolls of the law, and they'll be like, oh no, we've lost our way. And brothers and sisters, we need that blessed art of remembrance to be part of our lives. Because all of a sudden when we recall and we remember again who God is and what he's done, then notice what it says in verse 2, and you return to the Lord your God and you obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. He's saying, when you remember, then you're going to come back and you're going to do the first works again. That's what Jesus talks to the church in Ephesus about in Revelation chapter 2, right? He says, look, I know all the things you're doing. I know your work. I know all the things you're getting at, but you've left your first love. And so I want you to repent and do the first works. I want you to remember how you used to be, and I want you to start doing all those things again. I love it when I meet people and there's things going on in their lives and they're like, yeah, my walk with Jesus is not what it used to be. And I always say, well, what were you doing when your walk with Jesus was the most fruitful? And they'll say, oh, I was doing this, 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 I was doing this. I'm like, go do all that stuff again. And they're like, okay, you know? And then you go back and you do that stuff, and all of a sudden, what happens? Everything starts to blossom. It's why it's like I always encourage people, and someone told Lynn and I this, that every year on your anniversary, you should watch your wedding video. Because on the day you get married, you haven't been married before. And so there's been no water under that bridge. 
There's been no burnt meals or unkind words spoken or mismatched laundry or differing ideas on how OCD the home should be and all these different things. It's just love. It's just, we are in love. We're taking this, we're holding hands, we're taking this plunge. But what happens is as you go through life, all of a sudden there's all this water under the bridge and you lose like, we're just holding hands and taking the plunge of life. And when you watch your wedding video, it reminds you of, you're actually supposed to go through all of your life, like your wedding day, even though you have all the water under the bridge. You know there's all this water under the bridge, you still grab hands like, okay, let's go do this. And that's exactly what the Lord is talking to the children of Israel about. He's saying, because you're going to remember when you're in exile, and then you're going to come back. You're going to return to me. You're going to obey me. It's going to be with all your heart and with all your soul. You notice, you heard that phrase a lot in these 10 verses. That idea of all your heart and all your soul. When you see in the book of Deuteronomy, of course, you remember the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. The idea is with the totality of who you are. See, God isn't looking for us to give him a tip of the hat or lip service or a midweek service or some church attendance. He wants the totality of who we are. He asks us to follow him with all that we are. Nothing compartmentalized. Nothing left unengaged. He wants a total and a complete allegiance. And isn't that, I mean, we want that in our friendships, don't we? We want people who are going to be with us no matter what. We want people who are going to be there. And the reason we want strong friendships is because we were created to walk in Oneness with God. With oneness. Now, it says in verse 3, of course, he says, the Lord will bring you back from captivity and he will have compassion on you and he will gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. And if any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed. I love this. He's saying, no matter how far away you get, when you turn, I will bring you back. Now, that is not a license to go as far away from God as we can imagine. But that is a promise that God's compassions, as the Bible says, they fail not. God's mercies fail not. I love the fact that God's grace I can never be more rebellious than God can forgive. Now again, I don't want to test the boundaries either. Because Jesus invites us to abide in Christ. You will only bear fruit if you abide. But the reality is, is God's forgiveness is greater than our sin. Even when our hearts condemn us, the Bible says, he's greater than our hearts. He's telling the children of Israel, listen, if I drive you to the farthest point away from here. If you turn, I'll still bring you back. You know what that's called, my friends? That's called faithfulness. That's called fidelity. That's called a God who says, nobody can snatch you out of my hand. And I'm here to tell you, that's the God of the Bible. I know some of you right now, you feel like you are so far That you've been on a journey and you are just way away. And this is for you. That if you turn to the Lord, he will be moved with compassion for you. Because he's a compassionate God. He wants you to be home. 
just the way he wants the children of Israel in the promised land. He has chosen them, a place for them. And it's beautiful because he says, not only will I bring you into the land, but also says in the middle of verse five, it says, and he will prosper you and multiply you more than your father's. Now that's grace, right? Like justice is I give you what you deserve. Like you don't do wrong and God says, I'm going to drive you out of the land, right? And mercy is I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to bring you back. But grace is I'm going to bring you back and I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bless you in where I've called you. Now, what's fascinating is, of course, and if you've not really been in church very much, I know many of you haven't. When you read verse six, it says, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart." and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. I realize that might be an awkward phrase. I remember the first time I was reading the Bible and I read that and I said, wow, that's awkward. You know? And again, like I wasn't, when I gave my life to Jesus, I wasn't like through a church. And so I was just reading this stuff and I'm just like, that's some weird stuff, you know? But after a while, as I would pray about it and I would start to read, I realized that This idea of God circumcising our heart is actually the most beautiful idea. Because what it's saying is that when you start to walk with the Lord, he accepts you just the way you are and he starts working on you from there. And the idea of circumcising your heart, this is what you would call a idea of the new covenant, right? So you read about it in Jeremiah chapter 31. It's a number of places here in the book of Jeremiah, but it's literally saying God's like, I'm going to do heart surgery on you. And the idea of circumcision, obviously, it was a procedure done on the male genitalia. In the Bible, it was done to set the children of Israel apart from the other nations. And the idea was, we're going to cut away what is unnecessary. Now, of course, if you're a doctor or whatever, you might say, well, the foreskin on the male genitalia, it is necessary for these reasons. We can discuss those things. But be that as it may, really what God is saying is that I want my people to be different. I want them to be unique. And really what he's saying is that for each one of us, God is inviting us into a journey where he changes us. He removes things in our lives and in our thought processes that are unnecessary. He says, I want to change and transform the way that you think. I want you to have the mind of Christ and not the mind of our culture. I want you to live differently. And I want you to think differently. And I want you to value different things. But the beauty is, is God says, look, You don't have to worry about it. I'm going to do that to you. And listen, for all of us, we're all a renovation project. You realize that? Whether you've been walking with Jesus for many decades or you're going to give your heart to Jesus tonight or you're not ready to give your heart to Jesus tonight, you're going to do it in two months. All of us are being renovated by the Lord. And every single day is the next day for God to be doing something. I was, I was just talking to somebody about that here at Crossroads because, you know, we, we, we've been, as a church family, we've been on this campus since 1980. You know what I mean? And so you think about it, it's like, we've been on this campus for 35 years, and so we're always fixing something. You know what I mean? Like, there's always, like, like you get a bathroom fixed, and all of a sudden you get, like, an AC unit that goes out, and then all of a sudden the AC unit goes out, and you got you know, a ceiling falling in over here and you're doing this thing. And, and some of the things you plan for, you're like, I need to get this thing done. Other things that just happen, you just figure it out. And in a lot of ways, all of our lives are like that. That there are certain things that you plan for. Like, I know God wants to change this in my life. And there's other things that things just happen. And when they happen, God starts working. Certain circumstances lead us to certain areas of reconstruction that God's doing. And the key is to learn the fact that 
God is the great physician. He's not haphazard in the heart surgery he's doing. But he knows very specifically, this is what I need to accomplish. And the ultimate act of the circumcision of the heart is when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus. Because what you're doing is you're letting the surgeon live inside of your heart. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus knows how to conform us to be like him. He knows how to do it. He's masterful at the work he's doing. So you have to ask yourself this question. Are you allowing the Lord to circumcise your heart? Or are you, and I can say this because I've done this so many times, it's almost terrifying. Are you the kind of person who God starts to do a work and you resist? And you start to pull away. Like, I, don't, I don't want you to do that. Because it says here, and it's so beautiful, it says in verse 6, and the Lord will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, that you may live. See, God's not doing surgery because he's bored. God's doing it so that we would love him and that we would live. And that's why when Jesus comes, he says, I've come that they might have life and they might have life more abundantly. He's saying, look, the work that I want to do in your heart is so that you will love me with all your heart and with all your soul and that you may truly live. So deep down, if we think about it, we actually want God's heart surgery. We want him to circumcise our hearts. But the problem when God circumcises your heart is it hurts when it happens. That's why, you know, you can hear about when if you circumcise a young male children today, they do it in the first couple of days and science tells us that all of the nerve endings are all attached. They don't feel it. It still hurts, but not as much as it was hurt if you were like 40 and getting that done. And you remember that story from the book of Genesis, remember? With one on with Jacob's sons and his daughter and all that. And they had to be like, well, if you got to want to marry my, my sister, you got to get circumcised. And all the guys were like, okay, we'll do it. And then they went and killed them all because the guys couldn't even get up. So I say that to say circumcision of the heart is, it's messy and it's, it hurts. And there's a recovery that happens when you're in the midst of it, but it's purposeful. Because God wants to do a work in our hearts that we might love him more, that he can open up our hearts, that he might be able to allow his love to reach us in a way we can understand and that we can give it out. Jesus is real. We all feel better when we come home from a long trip or even from short times away. Home is usually where our hearts can rest and where we can recharge to face the world. Today's message reminded us that we have a home elsewhere that our hearts are longing for. Pastor Daniel revealed that this is heaven and that our Creator is calling us to Himself and the incredible future He's planned for us. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. 
I want to know that you did it though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will remind us that God's Word is meant for us to study. We don't have to rely on wise theologians to reveal the mysteries of the Bible to us. Right now, we can learn and live what we read. God has inspired the text and everything is still relevant to our lives. As you study the Bible for yourself, allow God to reveal His love and grace to you and teach you exactly what He wants to. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Cause and Effect. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.